Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. On this program, every week, we talk about issues, events, organizations, specifically through the lens of the Green Party's core principles of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. On this week's program, a very special guest, Chase Iron Eyes. Chase is a member of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. He is an attorney. He's a civil rights activist. He's a member of the Lakota People's Law Project and co-founder of the Native American news website, Last Real Indians. Chase Iron Eyes, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Thank you so much for having me. So, Chase, I can't help but to notice uh, that we seem to have caught you uh, outside on what looks to be a hilltop. Uh, tell us and our viewers, where are you right now in the world? Right, Chesapa, Makoche, Wahi, Unkitawapilo. I'm in the middle of uh, the Sioux Nation, which is in the Black Hills of South Dakota, where Mount Rushmore is, where Crazy Horse Mountain is. And it's kind of the, the epicenter, really, of, uh, of, of the Sioux Nation. So I'm actually training for a run, and I travel a lot, as do you, and as do does everybody who's busy. But sometimes I forget what time zone I'm in. And so you literally caught me in the middle of, of one of my runs. Uh, it's one of the things that keeps me sane right now while I go through uh, what I'm going through in terms of um, – criminalization, you know, by the state of North Dakota. And so anyway, I'm very happy to be on a hilltop where the reception is good right now. And if you could see how I have the camera rigged up onto a tree, uh, everybody would would marvel at at how we're making this happen. But I'm happy to be with you, David. Chase, uh, I can't tell you how it fills my heart with gladness to imagine you in the natural world appropriately using technology to be able to have this conversation. And it fills me with hope that we might actually navigate uh, this moment. Uh, and especially knowing that you in, are in, at the heart of Sioux Nation, because you, you and I first uh, became aware of one another through our mutual work with the seventh generation fund for indigenous development uh, and the protection of multiple sacred sites. And one of those sites is actually not far from uh, where you are right now. Am I right about that? That's, that's correct. Uh, you know, as I said before, we, we're in, I'm in the epicenter of the Sioux Nation. Among other uh, Native nations, tribal nations, you know, the, the predecessor civilizers or sovereigns, or however you want to look at that, the body politics that entered into internationally binding agreements with uh, the United States. Um, we, we have done all we can to protect our homelands, which are now the homelands of many Americans. And, and we've done, we're trying so hard, David, we've been trying uh, for the last, since contact pretty much, but I, I was born in 1978 into the first free thinking, free practicing indigenous generation. And we had to earn those rights. And so for us to even, to, for me to be here, and to be talking to all your viewers to say that, look, at we came together. We're, we're talking about settlers, you know, invasive settlers. Uh, we're talking legacies of, of genocide, of, of a Holocaust, of slavery. Here we are today recognizing those truths, not hiding from them one bit, but coming together to save these sacred sites. And, and we did this in 2012, 2013, near right, right down the way from me is a site called Peshla. That we were able to save, we, we crowdfunded and eight tribes 
banded together uh, along with millions of people online of various backgrounds or, or however you want to classify people. We try not to do that as much as possible. We, we were able to save a sacred site. And we also were able to do sort of the same thing at a place called Harney Peak. Uh, that, that was named for a, a gentleman named uh, William Harney who committed some atrocities against our people, the Lakota people. Uh, a Little Thunder's Band, it was called, or the, the Blue Water Massacre. The descendants of William Harney got together with the descendants of Little Thunder and agreed to petition the state of South Dakota to, to change the name from Harney Peak to Black Elk Peak. And we succeeded in those efforts. So we're literally writing our history, the history that we want our children and our grandchildren uh, to inherit. So I try to come to the Black Hills as much as I possibly can. We've got, you know, another site. We call it Pahansa, but America calls it Devil's Tower. And, we, of course, we take exception to that. And we've, we've, we've had to sue to protect that as well. We've had to sue to protect Bear Butte. But, uh, again, I mean, I don't, when I say these things, perhaps to a green audience, it might sound like I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. But it's so powerful and so necessary to say these things and to reiterate them because we are trying to share conflicted histories and create the authentic foundations from which we can grow from, from which we can evolve from, from which we can adapt, not not only our party, but our connections as human beings. So th this is exactly why I try to come to the Black Hills all the time. Chase, Iron Eyes, I'm, uh, every time I have the privilege of conversing with you or listening to you, I am reminded of what a debt uh, not only white settlers owe uh, to uh, indigenous folks, but also of, the, of how seamlessly the Green Party seems to fit within this worldview. You know, for Greens, our four pillars of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology are really an interconnected worldview of how we believe that society and politics can and should operate. But of course, what we also know is that the existing corporate capitalist state uh, seems hell-bent on commodifying the natural world and destroying the planet that we depend upon for life itself. One of the focal points of that fight was, in fact, uh, at Standing Rock. You were there from uh, beginning to end, and it's not even over for you. So I'd love for you to walk our viewers through your experience at Standing Rock. First of all, uh, thank you to everybody out there who is viewing this or who will view it later, who I know uh, lent a part of themselves during the Battle of Standing Rock or the No Dapple struggle, uh, the struggle that saw tens of thousands of people drop what they were doing, uh, sometimes leave loved ones behind and travel all the way to our homelands in the Standing Rock Nation, which is part of the Sioux Nation, and put themselves on the line, put their bodies on the line, uh, risk their personal liberties, their freedoms, their earning potentials, their constitutional rights, their civil rights, and their, their human rights and their birth rights. More than, you know, scores of thousands cycled through Ocheti Shakoi, cycled through Ocheti Oyate or the Rosebud Camp, uh, Sacred Stone Camp, 
millions of people paid attention online. Um, perhaps a hundred million people or more, perhaps a billion people around the globe were able to bear witness, were able to participate, if but only in their spirit. But that is the most important connection that we were able to generate during the Standing Rock movement. One of our elders described Standing Rock as an international spiritual monument, a, a monument not in physicality, but, but a monument of our spirit, of our collective hearts that, that lives within each of us and that we were able to recognize at a place like Standing Rock. When we were, we were able to see, you know, some of us have tried to uh, dissect the, the philosophical underpinnings of, of our histories and, and why we see the world the way we do, why we interpret our universe the way we do, what, what colors our perspectives, you know, our foundational archetypes as human beings in, in quote unquote, the modern era. And we in our hearts know that the universe is divine, but it, but it, it, it wasn't until Standing Rock we were able to see human beings fully ad ad adopted and adapted to the quote-unquote modern or civilized era who still uh, very much had and have intact those sacred relationships with the universe and which, which relationships which we re recreate and honor uh, in protocol form or ceremony form or ritual form, uh, to borrow a term from the West, you were able to see people who were willing to give of themselves. Sometimes you didn't know if you were going to die out there in the most militarized standoff in, in recent history, since Ferguson, since the Occupy movement and so forth. We had fully armed private military contractors such as Tiger Swan. You had fully armed and, and, and ready for battle National Guard troops, law enforcement you had a, a corporate-sponsored, state-executed state of violence out there. And, and in the middle of all that, you had these peoples, these human beings, these spirits who were liberating themselves from these oppressive classifications and from these oppressive systems, systems and the logic and institutions of capital – of that that abstraction or that separation of a mind from a spirit of of meaning from labor of our human connection to our sacred surroundings you see indigenous peoples are what we have learned to identify as indigenous peoples still very much have these relationships intact and what standing rock did for me was solidify the idea that we as human beings are, are capable of transcending those oppressive differences and systems of thought potentiality that, that kind of govern the way we interpret our universe and, and behave while we're alive here and behave how we respect one another. It didn't matter what phenotype you were, what, what human construct you fell under, and when, like race, didn't matter what quote unquote race you were or what religion or whether you had a religion or not, 
at a basic level, our spirits were seeking this. We were inclined to seek this liberation. And we know, even though we might not have had the cosmological family, say, mini wichoni, or water is life, water is sacred, we knew that we needed to protect the water for, you know, for our people that are alive now and for the unborn still to come. So for, for me, it's, it's standing rock is so, it's, it's just, it's hard for me because it's not over for me yet. It's, it's hard because the pipeline is under our only source of drinking water. Our children were meant to bear that cancerous risk. Our, our children were forced by gunpoint to bear that risk that the non-Indian people of Bismarck and Mandan, North Dakota, Morton County and Burley County simply were not even asked to bear. The pipeline is, is there ready to burst, ready to fundamentally change and existentially change the way our world is lived out there. We're talking 15 million people downstream, not just Indian people. Not just Standing Rock people or Cheyenne River people, but um, Americans who all depend on the Missouri River. But in that same we have a spiritual awakening on a global scale and we're able to connect in ways that we never thought possible. So it's 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 a mix. I have a feeling of ambivalence when I think about Standing Rock. Folks, you're watching A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Chase Iron Eyes of Lakota Indian Project, uh, longtime civil rights activist uh, on the front lines uh, at Standing Rock and still under assault by the state, the fascist state. I will tell you, Chase, you're, uh, the, the way that you seamlessly talk about humans' interconnectedness and the awakening that's happening even in the midst of the incredibly fascist militaristic uh, uh, regime uh, is inspiring a lot of people, myself included. I do want to let you know, folks, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can write in in the comments. Uh, Executive producer Michael O'Neill will be capturing any questions and comments. Uh, I will say already, Mark has written in, and pardon my language, but Mark writes in to say, Adida Dilzil. Ah, I can't even pronounce it, but he tells me that it means we struggle against uh, uh, all odds. Aho, my brother. Brad writes in with a hello from Flint, Michigan, saying, Miniwakoni, I don't think our well water is safe anymore. He invites you to stop by for a slab of water anytime. Art has written in to say, I just moved to Daytona Beach, Florida, and the water in my faucet is yellow. Flint is everywhere in the richest country of on earth. Bradley writes in to thank you, Chase, as one of his many heroes. Jeff writes with a question to ask, Chase, can you tell us about any projects that are linking indigenous peoples around the globe that might advance the four green principles of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology? Are there anything going on in the international world that is not yet getting the attention that it deserves? There, there are uh, global indigenous organizations uh, such as Seventh Generation Fund for Indigenous Peoples. Uh, there is another called the Indigenous Environmental Network, uh, Honor the Earth, and of course uh, the Indigenous Caucuses or just 
the entire Green Party movement. I mean, it, it was funny when we're at the Green Party convention in Salt Lake City and we're sitting in an indigenous caucus. And in my mind, we need to recognize that we're all indigenous. Now, I don't I don't mean to downplay that the the impact or the efficacy of that international legal term of art. But what I mean to say is that as human beings, if we if you look back far enough and look closely enough, every people, every nation, every body descends from a people or a nation that once had these connections, these sacred covenants with the universe, understood the protocols, the ceremonies, call them rituals, call them what you will. But we understood our interdependence and we respected it. So those are just a few of the organizations that I'm aware of. Um, I am I am personally trying to increase my international outreach. I've recently appeared uh, in Denmark. I, I met with members of the parliament there to try to solidify um, solidarity, gain uh, momentum in the Standing Rock movement, in the global green movement, and, and try to get a letter of support for my ongoing criminalization in North Dakota. I've, I've personally been on the ground for an extended amount of time in uh, Palestine, in, in Palestine, Israel, to witness uh, what's going on, to see for myself what's going on, and really to, to get a grasp of, of, of just how far we have come as, as human beings to succumbing to those systems of oppression and separation. And we, we all know that capital uh, commodifies. Uh, capital tries to assign a value to everything that we know. It occupies almost a 100% of our, our mental space. And we're, we're talking the advertising industry. We're talking the 3,000 advertisements and messages that we cope with, that we deal with, that we're hit with every single day of our human lives. So indige the indigenous struggle and the, the thought or, or the, the concept, the notion of returning to your own indigeneity is now more important, more crucial than it ever has been because the potential for people to make those realizations, to lead themselves to those conclusions logically or spiritually however you arrive there we need to get there as a human family and we need to share our messages of strength and love and compassion and you know chase uh, i really appreciate your reminder uh just as one of our mutual friends chris peters uh often uh reminds me that we all descend from indigenous stock uh, and that it really is a function of remembering. We don't actually have to create something new. We actually have to remember how all humans once lived in a harmonious balance with the natural ecosystems around us. And so I give honor and thanks to those people like yourself who are frankly fortunate to still remember it in your daily cognizant presence uh, and my job, and I think uh, other others of us have the job to remember that somewhere in our genetic DNA is a memory that we can actually access. Uh, and to me, the the 
the thing that in this whole conversation that I'm most inspired by, and I'll be honest, Chase, is to hear you talk about the Green Party and use pronouns like we and our. Uh, and I am really honored uh, to be on a program with you called A Green Way Forward, where we are struggling to figure out how we can actually take control and transform existing institutions. Yes, I believe that that will require nonviolent civil disobedience. It will also require education and conversation. I also believe it will require engaging electoral politics at the local, state, and even federal level, because at the end of the day, resistance alone is not enough. We need true fundamental transformation and to evolve ourselves away from the path that we're on. Um, Brian writes in to ask, Chase, how can we help? Letters, volunteering, donations, how can we help? It's uh, well for for my particular case, uh, you can go to the you know the the tagline at Lakota Law. Those are the the, the good folks that are representing me in my case. Um, please go there and, and find out how to help. Uh, there's there's a letter campaign that we've got going, uh, a, a national campaign, and I just I want to uh, tag along the tail end of what you said there, David, and that is that. There is there is a spiritual liberation we, we that we are engaged in, but we have to be pragmatic about our our moves, our strategy, because Green Party members know exactly what it feels like to be marginalized. And that's that's how indigenous people have been treated in this country for for far too long. Uh, we've been we've been we've been we've had our voice taken from us and we've been pushed off into this space where we don't feel like we have representation. And since you, you can call it, I, I consider myself a member of the green party. I consider the green party part and part of this great awakening that we are all experiencing. And, and whether we engage green party politics or we engage progressive politics, we have to be savvy and, and just smart and pragmatic about and practical about what we want to achieve through via party politics or electoral politics as the Green Party. In Denmark, for instance, the Green Party would, would have already won a certain number of seats in the United States Congress. And so we, we've got to make noise. We can't fall into that, that, that mental trap of fear that is pushed by the, the major political machine uh, that 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 is you know behind the Democratic and Republican parties. It, call it corporate capitalism. Call it a, a, a marriage or a melding of, of of a big financial extractive, endless war, uh, private industrial prison complex. Call it call it whatever you want. But we we need to recognize. That as this set of oppressive forces, that not only is dehumanizing us and encroaching upon our human rights and our civil rights and our constitutional rights, but doesn't even recognize, not doesn't have the foundation, the framework to, to recognize that water is sacred. It doesn't even consider water to be the foundation of all real economic value. So our... Our processes need to permeate the worlds of 
politics, the institutions of education, and economics, and academia. We have to be present everywhere and in, in challenge. We, we call it warriors on all fronts, or the front line is everywhere, is what I've heard people say in, in our line of work, so to speak, not only as attorneys, but, but people who are just recognize that we don't, we don't have time. We don't have the luxury of time. And, and we cannot let time own us. We, we've got to own time. You know, time is a construct that we are older than. But sometimes it's hard to break through that. I mean, I live in the default world, too. I participate <laughs> in the default world just as much as anybody else does. But it's very, very important to, to just take a step back or a step forward and just recognize where we are at and how how we are traveling through time and space together. And even if we do it over, right, like right now, over this medium, that, that, that is fine because we have to come to these realizations one way or another. We, we are just, we are out of time. And, you know, Chase, I really appreciate these conversations because it reminds me that my own work that I have to do to decolonize my own thinking and to recognize that the society that I was born into has actually robbed me from my birthright of understanding the sacredness of my connection to other human beings and my connection to the ecosystem in which I am. And frankly, I get righteously angry when I really think about what has happened to me and my people uh, over time. And what I am pledging to you uh, and to all of our viewers is my own sacred honor and my own commitment to remembering to the best of my ability that level of interconnection and to strive for turning my righteous anger into action so that it can actually be compassionate and loving but fierce at the same time. And speaking of time, I regret to say we are coming to the end of it on this program so I will say I am very proud that you consider yourself a member of the Green Party and are helping us to decolonize not only the Green Party, but this country and want to invite you for any closing thoughts to our viewers here on A Green Way Forward. I, I, I just want to send a message of strength, a message, a message of compassion, and to know that you know we have to connect on this level before we can tackle the patriarchy before we can tackle these systems, which, which are forcing us to remove children from their mothers and declare these indigenous peoples, these indigenous nations as illegal human beings. We have to connect on this level before we can dismantle the systems of black oppression, before we can dismantle those legacies of slavery, before we can return to our truthful histories that have been denied to you, have been denied to all Americans. These systems have denied our true history together and our shared humanity. And we have to have these discussions. There is no conciliation unless there is truth. Just the same as there is no justice, there's no peace unless there's justice first. So people in the Green Party are already at that level and we're, we're sitting there at the precipice of this jump off. And if we do what we need to do, we can lead this country in that respect. People will look to us 
for that guidance. They already are. They're looking to indigenous nations. The world is. And we just need to make sure that we can spread our messages as far and wide as we possibly can in a, in a, in a way of strength and in a way of compassion and love. We have to let that guide us. Chase, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you for joining us here on A Green Way Forward. I want to thank executive producer Michael O'Neill, who as an unpaid volunteer every week comes on to make this program possible. And I want to thank you, the viewer listener, for participating in this conversation. Remember, in the words of Gil Scott Heron, the revolution will not be televised but it can be brought to you over sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis. And I challenge you to share this live stream on your own Facebook page. Share it, uh, the podcast, to your own friends and families. Let's continue to grow this movement. We can create a new world together, and we have to. Peace. A Green Way Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.